handout. Slip your hand up real quick. We're finishing Joseph tonight. Genesis chapter 50. We'll get some things here tonight. A couple quick announcements. This coming Sunday, we are um, our choir, the kids' choir, a couple special groups, and everyone in attendance will get to sing part of our Christmas concert on Sunday morning. And it will cover about 30, 35 minutes of our service. You say, well, is the sermon going to be abbreviated? Don't worry about that. You just, worry, you just worry about being here, and that's all you need to worry about. And so, yes, there will still be a message. And there are always, for the most part, you come to church, there will always be a message. The preaching of the Word of God is what we need, and it's important that we don't ever forget that. Um, next Wednesday, we'll have a normal Bible study at 630 and then on Christmas Eve, which is next Friday, there will be a candlelight service at 6 p.m. on Christmas Eve. And then that following Sunday will be normal. And then there will be nothing. So the week between Christmas and New Year's, there will be nothing that week at all. No Wednesday, midweek that week. There will just be a break there that week. And so um, it, uh, that's in our, uh, you can look on your app and see all that there. It's in your bulletin that you had and all that good stuff. And so, and then we'll be getting ready for a new year. Got some uh, banners working on already. Got the theme already set. The theme's been set for a long time, but it seems like I haven't gotten everything done yet for it. We're almost getting there. And so, I'm excited for this upcoming year and the things that we're going to do. We'll talk more about that. And Wednesday nights, we're going to mix it up a little bit on Wednesday nights this upcoming year, too, which we'll talk about next week, not tonight. Genesis chapter number 50. We look down at verse number 15, and we're going to read through the end of the chapter this evening. It says, When Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will preadventure hate us and will certainly requite us of all the evil that we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren, and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, We be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God. But as for you, ye thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house, and Joseph lived in hundred and ten years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation. The children also of Micah, the son of Manasseh, were brought up upon Joseph's knees. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry my bones from thence. So Joseph died being 110 years old, and they embalmed him 
and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Father, thank you for this passage. Thank you for the life of Joseph and the time that we've been able to look at his life. I pray that you'd help us tonight as we finish it up, that you'd help us in this tonight get what you have from your word. We need you. We love you. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for doing all that you do. Meet with us tonight. Help us. I know there are many in this room that are going through trials and hard times in their lives. And I know sometimes we look, why? Why is this happening to me? Why not someone else? And we could go back and forth all night long with that question. Joseph could have done that over and over again. But he realized that at the end of the day, you're in control of everything. And you know what's best. And he trusted you. Pray that you'd help us learn something from Joseph tonight and apply it to our lives. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Joseph's life is a series of trials and tragedies. A lot of valleys and very few mountains to climb up. But I believe that for each of us, if we let, and let me be honest with you tonight, I don't think any of us in this room have gone through the things that Joseph went through. I don't think anybody in this room has had their family hate them so much that they sell them off. I don't think anybody in this room has been lied about so much they're thrown in prison for something they didn't do. Now we have areas that we struggle in and we have tough times in our lives. But Joseph in the life that he lived and the way he responded to what happened in his life has great meaning for us and can help us in our lives as we deal with things. You see, his life wasn't easy from the very beginning. Growing up in a home where his mom was the one who was loved most by his father, but he had three other moms in the house, really. Children all over the place. A lot of hatred and cruelty between the family itself. He ends up working as a slave. He was falsely accused and imprisoned. He's been abandoned. He was forgotten while he was in prison. We've also seen him taken out of prison and risen up to prestige and power and prominence in Egypt. We watched as he reunited with his brothers, and we saw God bring to his brothers, bring them to a place of repentance. But we can still see tonight in some of our texts, there are some things these brothers just kept on doing. They were still being a little deceitful here, and we'll look at that here in just a minute. We've seen the highs... And we've seen a lot of lows in Joseph's life. And through every valley and the few mountains he got to be up on, one truth held true the entire time. God meant it for good. Wherever you're at tonight in your life, I want to remind you of something. God meant it for good. Say, I just don't see how these circumstances in my life could be good. And we know, and we've quoted over and over again, that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. God's word does not lie. Joseph didn't even have the book of Romans yet. And yet he had this truth nailed down. And may I just remind you on your darkest days and when it seems like 
all hope is lost. You lose your hope in God, you literally have nothing left. And there were days for Joseph in his life, that's all he had. In prison, all he had was the Lord. He had nothing else. He had no family there. Everything but God was gone. But he realized this truth, and a truth that God's people need to get a hold of and store in their mind and bury in their heart for when the tough times come, because the tough times are going to come. You might be having a good time right now. It's not going to stay that way. Life has its ups and downs, and sometimes more downs than up. And that's where you got to get this in here so when the tough days come, you understand the truth that Joseph understood, that God meant it for good. Even as Joseph gets to the end of his life, his faith never wavered in God. Then what a lesson that is for all of us. After all that Joseph has gone through in his life, he lived what he preached for so long. And then dad dies, and the brothers are a little worried, well, maybe now Joseph's going to turn on us. No, because Joseph was the same man before that he always was, and he understood this fact. You might have meant it for bad, but God had it all under control, and God meant it for good. And so as we look here tonight, as we finish up this series and tie things together, I want you to see as we look here at the confidence and the faith that Joseph had in God through all this time. As we've studied this series and gone through it, one thing has been confirmed and reaffirmed over and over again in my heart and mind, and the truth is that God knows everything that happens in our lives. And I personally believe that God allows things in our lives. Because he knows what we need. As a kid, remember sometimes our kids, they're sick and you try to give them medicine. There's certain medicine that they don't like. They'll spit it out. Yuck. I don't want that medicine. But they're supposed to take the medicine because that's what the doctor said will help them get better. God is performing a work in each and every one of us. And praise God, he will perform it until the, day of until the end. He will, he will work it all the way through, and he will finish the work he begins in you. But God knows what you need in your life. He knows better than anyone else does. I know sometimes we think to ourselves, I know what I need in life. You don't. He does. There might be times you pray, and God, I really need this. And, you, and the Holy Spirit says, hey, hey, God, that's not what Brian needs. Let me really tell you what Brian needs right now. God knows what we need. God is in control of things, and we've got to understand that tonight. We think about, the Bible talks about in Ephesians 1.11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Does he just work some things after the counsel of his own will? What does it say there? All things. The Bible tells us in Psalm 135, 6, Whatsoever the Lord pleaseth, that he did he in heaven and in earth and in the seas and all deep places. As Joseph approaches the end of his life, 
I want you to see some steps that he took that demonstrated his confidence and his faith in the providence of God. Number one tonight, number one, we've only got three points. We see he releases his past. He releases his past. There are a lot of Christians tonight that are holding on to, Sandy, you're here on a Wednesday night? Whoa. Wow. That, that's good. Yeah. You fall asleep on me Sunday morning, I would expect it on a Wednesday night, but it's good to see you tonight. Wow. That's, I just like, that's Sandy right there. You know, speak of the devil herself. And what? It's not, no, I'm just, I'm glad you're here. That's, that's, that's a good thing, so. With your driving skills, I totally agree with that statement, but we'll leave that right there. We got to get to the message. I don't have enough time to tease Sandy too much. For all the time you were out with your shoulder and things, I have a whole list of things to tease you about. And sometime I got to, I might have to take a whole, have you come in on a Monday night, and I'll just tease you for an hour straight to get caught up so we're back even. But I won't do that to you. If she, only li if she didn't like it, I wouldn't do it. So as we look at the fact that Joseph releases his past, we see letter A that after the death of Jacob, the brothers of Joseph were worried. If you notice as we read verse 15 to 19, look at what it says there. It says, and when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will pre-adventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil that we did unto him you see how they remembered what they did to their brother this was fresh in their mind they remember how they covered up and when he came down they took him and threw him into a pit they remember how they thought about killing him they remembered how they ended up selling him as a slave taking his coat of many colors making it look like an animal had torn him to pieces they remember what they did. And when we see this here, and as we look here, and as we look at this, they were worried. Because maybe Joseph was just being nice to us because dad was still alive. But now that dad is dead, what is Joseph going to do to us? So we see the brothers were worried, letter B. We see it was never in Joseph's heart to hold their past over their heads. Say, so, well, why didn't Joseph hold it against them? Let me help you. He forgave them. He forgave them. Say, so, look at what they did to him. Look at how they treated him. He'd forgiven them a long time before this time. You know, we look, and let's be honest tonight, we look at Joseph's life in the Old Testament. We studied it, we talked a little bit about it on Sunday. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit of God would come and go. The Holy Spirit of God did not stay in one place a very long time. You had sin in your life, the Holy Spirit would not be there working in you. In the New Testament, and praise God, the Holy Spirit never leaves us because of what Jesus did. But I can guarantee you this. If Joseph held bitterness in his heart and did not forgive his brothers, the Lord would not have prospered him the way he did his entire life. He would not have been, the Lord wouldn't have been with him in prison. The Lord wouldn't have been with him in all that he did. And everything that Joseph did, God made to prosper. And you say, well, why is that? I believe one of the reasons why 
is because he learned to forgive. As Joseph nears the end of his life, he could look back with a clear conscience. We have no record that he ever harmed anyone. We have no record that he ever held a grudge against anyone. In fact, he reminds his brothers of the fact, I am not in the place of God to judge you for what you did. In other words, they don't need to fear. What Joseph is saying is, you don't need to fear me about what you did. I am not in God's place. We just stated in Romans a couple weeks ago, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. The Lord takes care of things. And when you're wronged, and when things happen, sometimes we get in our minds, we need to sell the score, we need to make things even. And I like Joseph's response, that's God's area. That's God's department, that's God's area to take care of, not my end. You've got to understand something. Be not deceived, God's not mocked, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You will, you will pay for what you do. It will come back. You say, but it just doesn't look like it. That's not your job. Let God worry about it. And we see Joseph in this here, and eventually you've got to understand something. They could answer to God for the things that they did, not Joseph. That's a good way to live our lives. It's not my job. So-and-so was wrong to me. It's not my job to go be wrong to them. You don't, as we've been studying in Romans, we don't overcome evil with more evil. You overcome evil with good. That's what Joseph did right here. It's like Joseph knew the book of Romans pretty well. And it was written a long time after Joseph lived. But it was never in Joseph's heart to hold their past over their heads. And as we look at that and we think about those things, let her see, we see the fact that as we pass through life, you've got to understand tonight, there are going to be times when we are hurt by the words and the actions of other people. It is going to happen. There's going to be times that someone offends you. There's going to be times that their actions hurt you. The Bible makes that clear. There are many verses. Luke 17, verse number 1, Then said he unto his disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. Offenses are going to come, but woe unto him through whom they come, the Bible says. You see, we will be hurt. Sometimes we'll be hurt deeply, and maybe it's by some of the people that we love the most. Well, you got to understand something tonight. And parents, let me, let me help you out tonight. You're never going to have the perfect world where everyone treats your child exactly right. And sometimes parents want to put their kids in the perfect little situation. they got to learn to deal with life. And sometimes you say, well, they're in a, like at our, they're in a Christian school. It would be even worse other places. Trust me on that, okay? But it's, it's going to happen. And if you want to protect your kids from every little thing that happens, it's not going to happen. I got picked on in Christian school. I got picked on a lot in Christian school. I was a big boy. I was the, the young Pillsbury Doughboy. That was one of my names. I got teased a lot. It hurt. It did. But it, it helped me in life, too. And I know sometimes we look, it, it, it taught me a lot. I learned to laugh at myself. It took a long time. I learned to laugh at myself. I learned to get past it. But if we protect them from, and 
if someone's hurting your kids or someone's, you need to deal with those things. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm trying to say is there's going to be times when your kids don't get along with every kid. There's going to be a time where another kid throws a punch at your kid. There's going to be a time where those things happen. It's called life. If you want to go back before the flood happened, or before sin entered into the picture, then there would never be any fighting. But it's the world we live in. But what we have to work on, and this is, and this is a good one for parents here, we got to work on how we teach our children to respond to what happens to them. I cannot make someone else, when I was a kid, I could not make someone else stop calling me names. but I could control my spirit. I couldn't control if people liked me or not, but I could be nice to them in spite of how they treated me. It's awful quiet when we talk about things like this, but it's the truth. You see, hard times are going to come, and people are going to offend you. Hey, in a church, let's just, let's just throw this out. In a church, someone's going to offend you going to happen. They're going to sit in your seat. They're going to not shake your hand. At times, the pastor might offend you. I offend myself sometimes. I offend my wife sometimes. I'm not perfect, and I only do it sometimes just so you know I'm not perfect, because if I didn't, then I just, then I tease when I say that. But the Bible makes it clear about how we're supposed to respond. And we're, I know we're at 7.03 tonight, but I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 18 for a minute. Matthew chapter 18. You'll see in your notes there, there's just a bunch of verses written there. They're there because uh, hopefully you'd look at them later on. But we look at how God wants us to respond to things that go on. Matthew chapter 18. Look at verse number 21. It says, Then came Peter and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him who owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not paid his Lord, commanded him to be sold, his wife, his children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. And the servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant, so the man who asked to be forgiven, this now this, this debt that this man had is thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars today. It's how much money this man owed. And the Lord there of the servant, for, he was going to cast him into jail. He was going to sell his wife, his family, everything he had. And the man asked for forgiveness, and the man said, you're forgiven. But that man who is forgiven so much, look at what he does. In verse number 28, but the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. He owed him about five bucks, ten bucks. He owed him nothing. And look at what it says. And he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay thee. Doesn't this just sound like what the man did? 
earlier to the one who he owed a ton of money to? Look at the servant's response. He said, um, and he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldst not thou have also had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Now, for sake of time, with our young people in chapel, I've been going through the parables. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's a parable here. One man owes thousands upon thousands of dollars. The Lord of his forgives him, but lets him go. On his way out, he runs into someone that owes him five or ten bucks. And he has him thrown into prison because he owed him that little bit. He was forgiven much, but he could not forgive. And the Bible says that that master, that Lord there, had him turned over to the tormentors. Let me help you out for a minute, okay? We have been forgiven the greatest possible forgiveness by Jesus Christ. He's forgiven you of your sin. No one will ever wrong you the way we've wronged God. And he's forgiven us. But when we don't forgive those who offend us, we're doing the same thing that this guy did in this story. And when the Bible talks about the tormentors being turned over to the tormentors, what do you think bitterness has to do with? Those tormentors is talking about the bitterness and the stuff that eats us up inside because we do not forgive someone. You have the power to forgive because you've been forgiven. But when you choose to hold on to it and not forgive, that's when you let that bitterness creep in. And that bitterness will torment you. And it will keep that thing alive in you a lot longer than it needs to if you just learn to forgive. Many other verses that we could look at. We think about um, Ephesians 4.32 and be kind one to another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Hey, when we are wronged, we need to forgive. Hey, when we are the offending party, we need to seek forgiveness and reconciliation. You know, the problem is, and this happens in a church, this happens in marriages, this happens in families, Pride is the, is the secret to all of this. Because only by pride comes contention. Well, look at what they did to me. Who am I in the sight of what God has done for me? It's pride. I'm not going to go ask them for forgiveness. Pride. Pride is behind all of our contention in our relationships. 
And when we look at this passage and we look at these things together, and later on you might want to write Matthew, I think, or maybe it's in your notes there, Matthew 5, um, 23 and 24. Look at what it says there. It says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, then come and offer, offer thy gift. You've got to understand something. If you have offended someone and there is something not right between you and a fellow brother or sister in Christ, you will never grow to be the Christian God wants you to be without getting that thing fixed. And God says, forget about giving me your sacrifice and your gift. Leave it before the altar. Go reconcile with your brother or sister and then come back to your gift. That's where some people, sometimes they won't partake of the Lord's Supper because they think of this passage. Because there's someone that they've offended and they want to get that right before they take. And if that's what the Lord leads you to do with that verse, that verse isn't quite talking about that. But if that's what the Lord lays on your heart, you do, you know, whatsoever we do, it's supposed to be a faith, right? Whatsoever is not a faith is sin. So if that's where you stand on that, then do what God tells you to do. But when we look at this, if you've offended someone, you need to go make it right. Hey, young, young people, you offend someone, you hurt someone, you need to go out of your way and make it right. And then also on the other side of it, we could look at other verses and see if you are the offended party. You need to take, and you say, I just can't forgive them. I've had many people come to my office and talk to me about dealing with bitterness in their life. And very few people have gotten through all my counseling sessions on bitterness. Because it's tough. I ask them to make a list of all the worst things they've done in their entire life. Why? There's a reason. Has God forgiven you for those things? You need to ask God to help you forgive so-and-so like the way he's forgiven you. And then we'll take the list and we burn the list. Because God has forgotten it. He's chosen to forget. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed our transgressions from us. If you've offended someone, you need to go out of your way to seek reconciliation. And if you are the offended party, you need to ask the Lord to help you learn to forgive. Joseph was able to do both. Let's go on because we're running out of time. Number two, we see that Joseph, he remembers God's providence. He remembers God's providence. Verse 20 and verse 21. Genesis 50 there in verse 20 and 21. The Bible says, but as for you, he thought evil against me. You know, he's not holding it back. Hey, brothers, let's be honest. You were not looking out for me when you sold me into slavery. You were not looking out for me when you wanted to kill me. You meant evil in my life. But look at what it says. But God meant unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people. Now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And look at what he did. He comforted them. Think on that for a second. They're feeling bad right now because of what they did to him. He comforts them. 
and he speaks kindly to them. What an example of Christ we see in Joseph here. As we look here, we see letter A that Joseph doesn't pretend that what his brothers did to him was not evil. It was. The intent of their heart was pure evil against their brother. In spite of all of that, God was working and doing something far greater than the evil that the brothers intended to do. You've got to understand something. This was meant, this was wicked. This is straight up evil. Now, then this is where some people ask the question. Well, then, did God use their evil to raise Joseph into power? God does not bring evil to pass. He doesn't tempt you with evil. We do the evil things. Those brothers were drawn away, as it talks about in the book of James, of their own lusts. But this is what God does. God can take the wickedness and the evil things of men and still work them together for good in the midst of all of that. Was this probably the way that God wanted to raise Joseph up to be where he was? No. Did the brothers of their own free will choose to turn on Joseph and to do these things to Joseph? Yes. So what did God do? God took their evil and worked it all out for good. That's what God does. Don't forget that. We see letter B, and our letter B as we think about this as we pass through life. You've got to understand, we can count on the fact that every valley and every victory is a part of his perfect plan for us. And that he'll use them all for our good and for his glory. You can rest assured of that tonight. You know, the things that happen in your life, you're probably not going to be made second in command of the United States with the things you're going through. It's not going to quite work out for you like it did for Joseph. Maybe it could, but I'm not saying it's going to quite happen just like that. But what I can tell you tonight is that every valley, every victory is a part of God's plan for us. And that's, the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Every valley, every victory is a part of his plan. You would, and you would do yourself a big favor in your Christian life. And, okay, let's make sure we understand something. There are some things we do in our lives and trouble and things that happen in our lives, we get ourselves in trouble by the stupid things we do. Okay? We know that. There are a lot of things that happen in our life we have no control over. You know, there might be times where there is sin and God ha and there's consequences for that sin. That's not what I'm talking about right now. The valleys, the victories that we have, God knows what he's doing in your life. You and I are stuck with this, tunnel vision. We see right where we're at, and that's it. And God is over the top of it saying, I see the big picture. 
going to be okay. Trust me. Hey, don't, didn't you see how I gave you the whole Bible so you could see that though men try to mess everything up, I still work things out. Even when they don't even acknowledge me in a book, I'm still behind the scenes working it all out behind the scenes. You can trust him. He's working it out. He knows what he's doing. Trust him tonight. You see that Joseph remembered God's providence. And that's why we have those promises in those verses. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. I wish that we as Christians could get a hold of Romans 8.28 and let that verse just sink in. Paul says we know that all things, not just some things, but do you see the word all? It's there. All things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. Sometimes people will say, Pastor, this is awful. I don't see how this could be good. So I ask the question, do you love God? Yes, I love God. Then I think he's going to work it out. He always does. Was everything good for Joseph along the way? No, it wasn't good. We get that. But God, thank God that Joseph was there. What would the family have done? It worked out. God works things together for good. The Bible tells us in James 1, 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And the very next verse says, so let patience have her, let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Let it play out. The verse before this says, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. We're supposed to rejoice in the trials of life because it's doing in our lives. And that's a tough thing to be able to do, but you've got to understand something. The author of the book of James, James was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And all those Christians were scattered abroad and persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. And he was preaching this to all of them. Know this, that what you're going through, that it's working your faith. And let, let it work so that you can be complete in what God wants you to be. As we look at those things, and we're running out of time tonight, I need to get to number three. We need to get number three, and number three is good, and there's some other verses you can look at there with the other points, but number three, and lastly, when we look at Joseph, the last thing he did, he rested, or he rests on God's promises. After a long, productive life, the time came for Joseph to leave this world, and when that time came, or when it, when it had come, he told the children of Israel he made them promise, and letter A, or technically it shouldn't be a letter A because there's no letter B. I think I put an asterisk in my notes, but I think someone changed that for me. Joseph made the children of Israel promise to take his bones with them when they were to come out of Egypt. Did you know before the children of Israel ever went to Egypt? We were here last Sunday morning, and when we were looking at the covenants and seeing Abraham some, God told Abraham that the children of Israel would be in in Egypt for over 400 years before they were brought out. Joseph knew that they were going to be there for a while. 
But Joseph made the children of Israel promise to take his bones with them when they left. And what we could look at, if you were to go back a few pages, and it's there in your notes, but Genesis 46, verse 2 through 4, God, t- God spake unto Israel the vision of the night and said to him, Jacob, Jacob, and he said, Here am I. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will make of thee a great nation. And I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again, and Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. God said, go to Egypt. It's going to be okay. And someday I'm going to bring you out. And what a great picture. You know how I mentioned the Old Testament pictures, a lot of things from the New Testament? Now I mentioned the little old slide projectors, and you look at the little slide. That's what the Old Testament's like. You just don't quite see it. And then the New Testament is the actual projector that blows it up, and you see what it's showing us. The picture of Jacob going down into Egypt Egypt always, re- Egypt always represents the world in the Bible. It represents us going through this life. And someday we're going to be called out of this place and back to the promised land, which is a picture of heaven. So what's taking place here is they buried Joseph's bones in Egypt, but they were going to take them out and bring them to the promised land someday which pictures the rapture and how everything plays out in the book of First Thessalonians for us. I know I have gave that to you pretty quick, and there's so much more I could say there. But the fact is we know that we're leaving this world at some point. It's going to happen. There's, it's a point on a man wants to die, but then the judgment. You're either going to go by way of death or you're going to go by way of the rapture. That's the one of two ways, and it's going to happen. And when it happens, and when that day happens, you got to understand something. Those that are with the, and you got your loved ones now. Your loved ones that have passed away that knew Jesus Christ. They've been buried in the ground. When they were buried in the ground, the minute they took their last breath, the Bible says, be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. The moment your loved one took their last breath here on earth was the first moment they got to be with God forever. But they don't have their glorified body yet. So well, what's up there? The soul and spirit are there with God? Say, so, well, where is... Don't worry about that. They're with God. That's what matters. Someday, First Thessalonians chapter number 4, the trump of God shall sound. The dead in Christ shall rise first. The bodies are going to come from the grave up. They'll be reunited, and they will have their glorified body. And the Bible says... So the Bible says, the trump of God shall sound, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be gathered in the air with the Lord to be with him forever. So you see how the fact, and when the children of Israel left Egypt after the plagues, they took Joseph's bones with them. They digged them up and they brought them to the promised land. And after all those wandering years in the wilderness, When they finally got into the promised land, they brought Joseph's bones into the promised land, which pictures life. We live in this world. We die in this world. Our soul, spirit's with God, but the new body hasn't been given yet. And when the Lord comes, 
that new body is given. That's why when that happens, when the rapture happens, a cemetery would be a great place to be. I think that would be an awesome place to be at that moment when that happens. But when you look at all of that, the fact that Joseph, what Joseph was saying, he told them, I want you to take my bones when you leave. He was holding on to that promise. And Christian, we have a promise tonight. The Lord is coming again. This world's not our final destination. We're going to be with the Lord. And what a great truth that is. And I love the fact that as we've studied Joseph the entire way, his faith in God never wavered. We can study tons of different people throughout the Old Testament. Like David, I love David. A man after God's own heart, but David did so many bad things. He did so many bad things. I, I love Moses. Moses did a lot of bad things. I, I love Abraham. Abraham did a lot of bad things. I really like Adam, too. I'm still not thrilled with him, but I like Adam, too. I like Noah. Noah found grace in God's eyes, but he did a lot of, he did, he did some bad things. It is very hard anywhere to find anything bad about Joseph. What a great testimony he was for the Lord. What a great testimony he was for us that as we go through this life and we have the hard struggles that we go through, that you can make it. But you need to remember something. Someone might have meant it for evil what they did or what happened in your life. But God's able to take that evil and he's able to make it good. You can trust him tonight. You can rest in his promises. What a great truth we've seen through the life of Joseph. Father,